Colin. I'm on with uh, Joshua Michael, my best friend. I think you all know him. What do you say? What's up? I say, what's up? What's up? Uh, th- like, I know that's kind of corny, but my favorite one that always cracked me up was when they did the Japanese guys and they're like, Konnichiwa! Dude, I have to see that one. I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, dude, I've been looking for years on YouTube for them and I can't find them. <laughs> like, Weird. seriously, every time I, 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 I saw that commercial, it just it killed me, the Konnichiwa. Yeah. That's no, more doing, funny than the original. That's awesome. Oh, it, it, extremely funny. But yeah, we're doing a uh, Sci-Fi Friday. We actually. Oh, we are. Ha- yeah. It's it, we're doing the legit Sci-Fi Friday. Um, today we had the honor of posting a very prestigious uh, get for the show, uh, Mr. Jeremy Childs from I, Preacher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From Preacher, and that was our Sci-Fi S show for today. But, uh, yeah, we're actually doing the, the thing that we miss is watching some sci-fi on Friday night and no girls allowed because, you know. I would have girls to... over. I don't have a problem with that. I can get girls. I just – I'm just being nostalgic about being, you know, 15 and can't get oh, girls. I, I get that, yeah. Having no choice of watching sci-fi. I forced, uh, I forced my uh, pal from work to listen to um, – Oh, I've lost the name of it. The uh, songs from the album Incredibad uh, <laughs> on, on the way home today. And uh, one of the songs How's was it? extraordinarily vulgar. And it was about doing things when you're a little kid, when you're kids, like hanging out when you're like 13 and stuff. Which song, which track was that? I remember Incredibad. It was Incredibad. It was actually the song called oh, Incredibad. The, the, the track Incredibad, which yeah. is like the least best song on that record. I love it, dude. That riff, that repeated riff, the loop in that is awesome. That guitar riff over and over and over again is so good. Like that's a that, that those albums are Grammy like Grammy nominated. They're all really really good, and I, I dude, like that one in particular. Dude, when I was DJing and when I I'm on a boat came out, that was like <sighs> the most requested song for like a month. And for good reason. It's hilariously badass, and it won awards because it was like, this is the perfect representation of uh, of a rap song or a hip-hop song. Uh, Self-aggrandizement, making fun of other people, putting yourself in a situation that under no circumstances is difficult or complicated to do, but but over-dramatizing it, you know? Yeah, yeah, the dude... The dude at Kinko's was a nice little <laughs> You heard Kinko's flipping copies. No, for like downtown OKC at the club that like demands hip hop, that forced me to play hip hop, um, demanding I play I'm in a boat. And then people actually saying, I don't care if you played it again. I'm like, uh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. No, I play um, it once an hour. I remember when uh, when that Beatles 
collection came out in like 1996 or seven or five or something. And the red had, cover, the red oh, cover with the the number one in like fire. I don't remember. I don't know about that. No, no, no. It was the uh, it was the one that. It, it came out. It came out and it had an unreleased Beatles song, "Free oh, as a like, Bird." It was like three tracks. It was like three, not three tracks, three CDs long. It was expensive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bought that for my dad for his birthday. I, uh, you know, yeah, my cousin who doesn't know me well enough to get me something really savvy, but knows well enough that this is what's cool. I'm gonna get him this got me that album and i remember i remember when that album came out when that album dropped as the hip young people are saying and they played free as a bird like five times in a row on uh, on the radio that morning so i was driving to college so it had to be 1996 uh man yeah my cousin got me that i remember him getting me a water water gun uzi that was like you know <laughs> full auto when I was a kid and then full I remember auto, getting it like, he gave me all kinds of cool so, stuff <clears throat> something that you shouldn't bring to a premiere of the Joker oh are, you, you hearing, are you hearing what's yeah. going on now I heard that please let's not do that guys no, I like the, the like the, the victims like the families of the victims of the Aurora shooting are aghast at the violence and are encouraging quote unquote the uh, makers of the movie to rather than censor the violence because obviously that's not going to fucking happen but to make donations to uh, organizations that uh, encourage gun control and anti-NRA shit I'm like that is not going to do anything and and second off why are there any of the producers or anyone responsible for Batman in any way responsible for one lone asshole showing up kind of dressed as a Joker and shooting up a fucking theater? I'm sorry it happened, but um, if if someone it, it's it, it's it's art and and you're, you're it, it I, I, the luckily I, I've never been through something like this, so I would want to find someone to blame, but. Um, some stories, no matter how violent they are, have a purpose. It's a it's a culture of us blaming something instead of trying to figure out how we help the people. This is my I'm sorry, yeah, I have a very non liberal stance on this that we should just get rid of the guns. I mean it's a, I we're going to get real political real fast and then we're going to go into Star Trek and we're going to be like, at least this episode has a massive moral dilemma in it and we didn't even intend to have They've this already conversation. They, uh, yeah, I'm glad I mean, we did. I'm glad I mean, this we, is a conversation that needs to be happening. I mean, yeah, I, we all need to be talking about this. The problem is that whenever I have a contravening uh, perspective, people usually just say, oh, you're an idiot. Or they can't believe it. They just can't believe me, of all people, would not think the way they do. And I I had this conversation recently with somebody I really care about. And I was like, we can either have this conversation seriously and not let it change. Not let it change. That's the thing. Not let it change us? I don't know. Like, not let it change our relationship or we cannot have this conversation and be here doing what we intended on doing initially. 
And so right. it pretty much spiraled down to like, <clears throat> clearly you've got a problem with it and I don't. And I'm talking about guns. And I was like, look, you're here and there are, there are, there are guns here. And what are they doing to you? You didn't even know until I told you. But like, that's yeah. not the circumstance. That's not the situation with other things. You, you know, couldn't get over the fact that I have an AR-15. Why? Because I can, because I should, because if you think that, if you think, literally, this was the conversation, if you think that the buildings were knocked down on 9-11, what makes you think you don't need to have an AR-15? You think they were knocked down by the government? Then what do you think they want from you, other than your taxes? Or your fear. Exactly. Like, why wouldn't I have an AR-15? The, the, Among other the best, things. The best way I can think of it is, is to rationalize uh, an outrage culture in regards to uh, people in Colorado <laughs> that uh, unfortunately lost uh, loved ones at the Aurora shooting um, is uh, my big brother dying of cancer. Mm. Uh, it, uh, odd coincidence, him and I went and saw a movie when he <coughs> was me. battling cancer at that exact theater. And no kidding. Yeah, it was it was like two years later. But um, the thing about the the parallel I'm trying to make is that with cancer, I don't have anyone to get mad at. He wasn't even a drinker or a smoker, but mm-hmm. I don't have anyone to get mad at. I would kill to have someone to get mad at. Just to I see your, I, I, I see would, your point. That's my I, I would, that's our universal complaint between us, yeah, you and me. I I I I would kill that like for there to be a living breathing organism that in some way was responsible of stealing him from me and 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 wring the fucking life out of it. So yeah, I, I can I, I can see that, but at the same time though, it, it seems a little irrational to blame like like the uh, reporting press was not allowed on the red carpet, only photographers for Joker. Oh, the Joker. <clears throat> yeah, for Joker. For one um, thing, because after all of this, I still don't. I mean, like, I guess it makes money. I I actually just don't even give a crap that this movie's coming out. I might I might see it because I like Joaquin Phoenix. Acting prowess, but I I am sick of like oh my god let's freak out because there's another Joker movie. The Joker's in a movie. Are they did they get the Joker right? Well, did they yeah. get Batman right? Can we can no. we make the hero the guy that we're concerned about whether or not they've got it right? Because that's been something that's been effed up a couple of times. I'm looking for something new that can center me uh, the way that eight millimeter like brought me down to a fucking earth level. Uh, the way the reason I watch it every year, the way ta- the way taxi driver is important to me in terms of mental health and not even that, but just, I, I would never have used that term if that's just not a common term in our vernacular, but I would have used it as a term like of something that like in those times when I'm feeling beside myself in madness, that um, when you start thinking those, those evil or, or dark thoughts and, and you can end up like Joker or whatever happened in eight millimeter or in taxi driver or, uh, in any other non redeemable story. Um, sometimes those things are important. Uh, like memento, 
Um, yeah. Like Memento, uh, something a little bit lighter than the list of movies I have listed a second ago. Um, but I'm glad we had this conversation because we're going to get a little bit deeper into this because I have something to bring up in regards to when Picard actually has that conversation with Hugh. Yeah, <clears throat> I dig. And um, You've only seen this episode once, right? No, I've actually watched it twice in preparation, actually. Oh, no kidding. Okay, that's great. I don't know how many times I've seen this episode. You sometimes just watch it because it happens to be the next episode that's on, and you're watching mm-hmm. it just because it's like BBC America is playing Star Trek Next Generation and Voyager episodes over and over again, and... Uh, and then sometimes you watch it because you're like, hey, I want to watch a Borg episode and I don't want to watch like the climactic, most important Borg episode. The thing about it is, unfortunately, I feel like once they defeated the Borg one time, the Borg were never the same. They were never the strong thing again until Star Trek First Contact, the, the uh, eighth movie. And then the Borg were a pretty decent continual threat in Voyager, but mainly because they were in Borg space. And then they copped out on that. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of connotations in this episode for what it did to the franchise. And then there's a lot of interesting moral dilemmas. And I think we should ask ourselves the questions of what we would do in these circumstances. But even then, you know, I'm going to say this now because we are on the topic and I don't want to necessarily come back to gun debate. But um, yeah. look at, look it's at gonna the 24th ha- it's gonna Century happen. Federation, everybody. It's supposed to be a paradise. It's this utopia. All of these member worlds that are sharing in their technology and their science, and they all have a uniform understanding of human rights and law. They still have phasers. They still have a Starfleet that is predicated on science and exploration, but simultaneously are warships. They're capable of being warships. Now, do they build them to be warships? Not necessarily. Not until Deep Space not, Nine. Not necessarily. That's a good but, way to put it. Uh, they are ca- like the Enterprise of the original series was capable of annihilating the entire surface of a planet. Any planet. And... That's weapons, that's guns. And just because you live in paradise and you can you know what to expect from everybody generally, that doesn't mean that crimes won't happen. I just I even in this utopia and even in this world, everybody keeps trying to force the idea that the Federation is a socialism. Fine. Maybe it is, but they still have phasers, they still have carbines. There's, there's still checks and balances though. Exactly. But I think There's it's because it's the difference of living. I, I, I'm going to find this meme that uh, a friend of mine, Alyssa, posted here in Tulsa the other day. And it's a scene from. Uh, I'm trying to remember whether or not it's legitimate from the episode uh, um, where Tasha Yar was killed. Armis. Skin of evil. Skin of evil. But uh, I'll find that, and I will uh, I will run the the dialogue from that, and maybe we can all wrap our heads around that a little bit better. But anyway, let's I, let's let's get into the program, huh? Yeah, I agree. But real quick, I I would suggest for the first time watching this on your own, and then rewatching it again with us because we're about to get pretty heavy on some shit. 
We'll get heavy on some stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, we'll get into some, there's definitely the question of what you would do and all of that stuff. Anyway, if you, if you didn't know already from the uh, title card that you clicked on, we're going to review and uh, do a commentary track on the episode I Borg from the end of season five. So, episode 23. Yep. On, on Netflix because on Netflix. it's more high def. Yeah. And so just to set you guys up for this, you know, you've got the first episode with the Borg in it, uh, Q who, where Q introduced the Enterprise crew to the Borg by flinging them into the Delta Quadrant and then bringing them back when they said that they needed him. And then uh, we didn't see them again, but the Federation was preparing for them because this was a major threat. And then one Borg cube arrived in Federation space, probably (coughs) having eliminated some border outposts and probably having eliminated some Romulan border outposts because that's what the first Romulan appearance in Next Generation was all about. But they didn't say what it was or why because they hadn't quite figured it out yet. And by that, I mean the writers of the show and the showrunners. So uh, that all changed because I think it was probably the uh, creepy little critters from... uh, uh oh gosh what's the name of the episode conspiracy um so yeah best of both worlds took place captain picard was assimilated by the borg and the battle of wolf 359 took place the borg assimilated all of the information that he knew about the federation's defenses when they assimilated him and thus the Borg were capable of defending themselves from absolutely everything that the federation could throw them throw at them and thus over 10 or 11,000 Starfleet and civilian personnel were killed when 49 starships from the Federation and some Klingon ships were engaged in that fight. Um, and following that, we haven't seen the Borg since then. So this is, this is at least two years later, and you, you, know, you always wonder, what has Picard been thinking about and preparing for when he knows he's going to encounter the Borg again? Uh, let alone the rest of the crew, for that matter. So uh, I'm ready when you are, buddy. I'm at zero zero zero. Let us off, mother. I am uh, trying to find my material, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna re relaunch it because I'm having a I'm having an issue here. And so, yeah, of course, this is a commentary track like we've been talking about. So we're watching this without sound, because if you were watching this to see it for the first time, you're not going to be doing yourself the justice of getting all the sound effects and the music and the inflections and all that stuff. So we highly, highly recommend you watching this if you haven't seen it before and then watching it with us. Anyway, I'm ready when you are. We're going to do it on Engage. It'll be a three, two, one Engage. Ready? Three, two, one. One, engage. Immediate. Damn. Yeah. Oh, we start hearing about the Argolis cluster over and over in season five and six. That man is just stunning to look at. What a great... Which one? Riker? Yeah, Riker. Yeah, he's got a good look. He was a very soap opera performer before, and you see his earliest look in the 1987 uh, shaved and stuff, and he just looks like he belongs in a soap. 
And it's funny because that was a very 80s appeal thing. And I think that when he started growing that beard, when he grew out that beard, it really changed his appearance. It gave him that regalness. It made him look like, like somebody we could take seriously, for sure. The, the only person I could think of that I couldn't take seriously in a beard was uh, that asshole from Die Hard 1 that was doing all that coke. And got his brain oh, that out. guy? Yeah. What was what was his name? Lewis uh, or something. Uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The guy's a fun actor. He was in a bunch of stuff back then, but I, I'm struggling to f- and figure out any more than that. Is that a mini cube? That's a Borg scout ship, and uh, that I mean, it's not a Borg probe. We just we never see it again, and we never see it in space. So, you know, it's not a sphere. You'll see spheres after uh, in Voyager after first contact. It's just one of those crazy things where they're like, okay, hey, we made a model and uh, this is what we're going with. You know, we're going to use this and we're going to use it again and again because it's because it exists. Don't forget the easily mm. removable debris. Yeah, totally. <laughs> That's uh, I love that the would hologram be a for sure. <laughs> I love the hologram they have in his eye that I know so- Somehow they got really well. Like I imagine they probably had to reshoot it a few times because the glare on it wasn't right to get that well, the, 3D yeah. effect. It's a completely flat surface, so if there was a glare, that really would have shown up. That's yeah, just one exactly. of those things that happens when you have key light. I think the, yeah, the it, basic it, principle of lighting anybody is having key back and fill light. And you can yeah. all look that up or I could draw you a diagram. He's got a like a, a comic book chase card as a cut out part of his eyeball. Really, in the early nineties. Okay, no, that's what I'm saying. Remember those hologram cards? Oh or chase no, cards? I know what you're saying. Yeah, no, I yeah, think they like, cut it off of a Visa card or something, Mastercard, <laughs> perhaps. No, I actually wonder about that. It's very specific to him. You never see it on any of the other Borg. I was watching. Um, which episode? We were watching Borg sequences, my son and I, who's 10. Now, of course, I was seeing the Borg when I was that age, so I don't think it's a problem. But, you know, First Contact was a little bit more gory when it came to the Borg, I think. And um, he was like, why do they take an eye? And I'm like, because they can put a cybernetic thing into it, and then the Borg can see things in different spectrums dependent upon what kind of environment they're in or what kind of data they need to collect and also whenever you see their arms like they of course they're cutting off the arms and they're sticking something on there that's a tool or it is a sensor also uh i'm going wide i'm going full screen i can't believe i haven't done that by now (coughs) i like to stick up his ass entire episode yeah yeah Look at him react to that, man. Yeah. Captain Picard reacting to that. He hasn't. Oh, man, he's just. I'm surprised he didn't beam him up immediately. They're all. I'm, I'm reading the uh, reading the dialogue as it goes, and I'm suddenly like, yeah. for the first time, I'm thinking. They're all concerning themselves with Captain Picard. Like, they're compromised emotionally in this yep. moment. There's Cameron, the lovely Cameron at the uh, tactical console. Kill it now. Kill it now. 
Yeah, that's a very yeah before something thing. randomly falls and knocks me out for a whole episode. <clears throat> that's what I I mean. I, I I've been talking to talking to a buddy of mine named Kyle because he just finished watching Deep Space Nine, and he says I hate Worf on that series. I feel like Worf is a different guy. He has evolved as a character by the time he gets there. You don't see him just saying "kill it now," you know. I I agree, but he didn't he didn't become uh, completely deatomized accidentally out of a complete nowhere. <laughs> He's had some stuff dropped on him, but Yar was just one and done. Yeah, one shot and gone. Ooh, Guinan. Ooh, that that. Oh, now I know what I'm talking about on this one. Guinan. <laughs> Okay. Oh no. Yeah, I have something for uh, the. Ne- oh, look at that. The brains. The exposed brain. Why? Why? Why not? <clears throat> yeah, it's cool. There's Borg bodies all over the place. Why not have an exposed brain? They didn't even check their pulse. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm thinking about it, and I'm like. <laughs> Worf, go check these other bodies. See if they're alive. He didn't look at them. They're dead. Look, what are you, a look doctor? Dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> He's dead, Jim. <laughs> oh yeah. Data, of course, does not know what to feel or how to feel it. But oh, oh, look he at knows. the crystal on his desk. Okay, if you see that crystal again, recently uh, Michael Kuda posted about uh, how that is a replica. Of of the crystal shard from the dark crystal, that was oh, that's awesome. Fashioned for Captain Picard's desk by the art department, and um, then I don't know the Roddenberry Company, who is definitely got its moments, but are doing their best to. I'm you know this is me. This is me supporting a company that has not paid us anything, but. The Rod- Roddenberry.com is a place to go and get some killer reproduction Star Trek stuff. And that was one thing that they had for sale for a minute. Uh, one thing that I like about this episode is that no one has in any way in the least bit hesitated to challenge this man that they're all terrified of. Who, Captain Picard? Yes, I mean not 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 in like in an iron fist way, but the man's approval or his stray glance means everything to them. And it really does. Without he- without, without hesitation, she got up and said, "We need to talk because you've got some victim victim issues to deal with." Mm. And he's like, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> yeah, totally. And and Crusher is uh, without hesitation. No, we, you know we we got to save it. Like we got to figure it out. It's a kid. Yeah, that's the crazy thing is how old is this drone actually and does it make any difference? Can they remove all of the uh, assimilation components? Can they do anything to really help him? This is the frustration is that, yeah, they could have – Perfect perfect shot. Perfect Mm -hmm. shot. Uh, of the eye you have to be in the right view but yeah the uh, sorry uh, the frustration sorry frustration is like we establish a precedent in this episode maybe you can't de-assimilate a guy who's been assimilated for years and years or most of his adult life or maybe he was one of those babies that had been assimilated that we encountered in the second or what was it third season q who and it's like but then in Voyager, we can just do whatever the heck we want to. Yeah, let's take the Borg components off of this Borg drone, 
and uh, make her into a hot female and whatever, you know? I mean, that's part of the difference is that this show will establish a precedent that it's like, okay, we need to pay attention to that. And then other series is just like, no, we're different producers. We don't have to do that. But because they don't care about their fan base and whether or not contiguous storytelling makes for a more powerful fan base that wants to buy products. How do you feel about the fact that the that the crew it's an unspoken thing that they know that we're about to severely violate the prime directive and destroy an entire civilization um despite that their usual uh malicious intent what we perceive as malicious intent and they're at the same time doing it to satiate this one man from from the the one experience that they're in they in no way could there's no way in any trial that they could express their emotions in any sort of litigious way to argue for his point and what they're doing right now how do i how do i how do i perceive the the crew okay yeah they're talking about destroying the bork Right, like Picard is like without hesitation. We need to destroy them, an entire civilization that we have no understanding of, other than violence. And despite the fact, after how many years of wars with the Klingons and and whatever they're doing with the Romulans and the Cardassians, uh, that just one experience of being like minutely assimilated and saved, that he's going to destroy them. And they have to entertain this idea to keep this man happy, but at the same time maintain their own positions as their crew and well, realize that <clears throat> if they were ever put on trial for this, if they succeeded in what he wanted to do. Oh, uh, not necessarily. You don't encounter the Borg and not tell Starfleet Command. But but did Starfleet Command actually encounter the Borg if they had been one of the few that actually had within this time frame? If if nothing, if we're watching the show like it came out today, um, we don't know. I think that's the. I mean, that's 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 a. It's reading into it, on my end to say, a little too heavy. No, no, not at all. Like, oh, you don't, you don't have an international incident and not tell your government. You don't. Oh, I'm not saying he didn't tell him. I'm just saying. Oh he's no, because Alana Nechev. Oh well, he's gonna. They're gonna talk. They're gonna talk to Starfleet. You know, and. Oh, well, I never insinuated he didn't. But at the same time, though, they haven't. Starfleet haven't been like. I, I imagine that Starfleet would have rationalized that maybe we could have learned something from these people. Maybe we could have civilized them. Maybe we could have programmed something into them to, rather than destroy them, uh, figure out a way to where they weren't so intently malicious. I guess, uh, yes, I'm not entirely sure I know what you're asking me, but like you're, you're, because, okay, the crew, they've all got their own ideas about how to go about this. I think Jordy and Data are going to do whatever they're ordered to, and they've got a lot of bosses. Captain Picard yeah. thinks, you know, yeah, we need to eliminate this thing. And we need to, if we're going to eliminate anything, or if we're going to study anything, hopefully it's dead and hopefully it's wrecked. There's, you know, and so they've got a they've got a crashed ship. 
But they also know right. a, bo- a, a cube will be coming to investigate the crash site and retrieve whatever it right. deems is very, blah, very, blah, blah, very quickly and detect our, and detect our presence. Mm-hmm. Now, help me understand and our listeners uh, have a little bit of insight while they're fencing Guinan's beef with the Borg. Well, she is. A, she goes. She goes a little into it in a little bit, a little bit of a soliloquy. But you've got you've got some better knowledge of this. What happened? Well, she is from. Uh, she is an Elorian. That's a. It's E L hyphen Orion, and um, their species are very long lived. Now you might have like a two hundred good years out of uh, out of a Vulcan, but Elorians are known to live for at least up to 500 years or something like that. Well, her problem is that she's from the Delta Quadrant and her, that is Borg space generally. And the, uh, her planet was assimilated and her entire species was assimilated. However, there are handfuls of Elorians who were not at home when that happened and they were scattered amongst the universe. So now they have this strange kind of, I don't know, Gandalf-esque thing going on where they're just like out in the universe and people are aware of them and aware of their odd powers of perception and empathy and stuff like that. But they, they, uh, you know... She's got a bitterness towards the Borg because it was her world and it pretty much happened in her lifetime. So you're going to find out a little bit more about her in an uh, episode coming up, uh, Time's Arrow Parts 1 and 2. That's uh, at least one episode away after this, maybe two. But um, yeah, her, her her obvious anger towards the Borg comes from her homeworld having been taken over and her people assimilated into their collective. This is the best Borg costume ever, so far. So far. Well, that's the thing. Hey, we only have to make one, and we can probably reuse the other ones <laughs> from previous episodes for those dead Borg. So let's make a completely new one for this kid that we're really, really, really going to film. So, <clears throat> so excuse me, all of those components... You've got at its base layer, you've got the uh, heavily textured thermal, black thermal uh, right. jumpsuit he's wearing. And then you've got all those pieces that are Velcroed and glued on. And most of those pieces are uh, molded foam rubber, and they're already black, but then they've got a paint coat of uh, an iridescent kind of quality that catches the light. But it's really subdued, especially in this set. Because <clears throat> the lighting is very, uh, well, it's pretty subdued for this part of the ship, you know. And then you got all the special effects, prosthesis and stuff like that. It's the stuff that's going into his face. I always rather liked the appearance. I mean, the Borg here made a lot of sense the way they looked. When you get into season seven, everything got really crispy and clear. So. By the time you got to that point and you have the Borg episodes in season seven, they look the same, but they're way, they looked HD. I felt like even back then when season seven was brand new. Yeah. Even his molded abs are sticking out. Yeah. I really don't see the point in uh, having done that, but whatever. And Jonathan Del Arco, 
who's playing playing this Borg, third of five. Uh, well, I think that's his designation. I didn't quite get. Yeah, that. third of five. It third was third of five. five. Um, he will uh, he will reprise his role uh, later, and he's and you know he's he's Hugh. <clears throat> that's awesome. Does he maintain Hugh? I'm not going to tell you. Damn it. He does have a childlike innocence because he's a he looks like he's a teenager. He just looks like a shorter guy. And this yeah, is the he, same he, lab set from uh, from Best of Both Worlds and also from um, beautiful Half a Life. No, not the, Half the a Life. Where, I'm sorry. Uh, where Data Data has her his daughter. His daughter, yeah, lol. Is it Half a Life? It's it's the Offspring. Sorry, it's the Offspring. God, she's stunning. Yeah, she's just a really chiseled, uh, just a handsome, attractive woman. Look at that. The lighting does so much for her. She doesn't even need its help, though. She just It just pops. Have you ever seen Community where uh, uh, Donald Glover's uh, character meets uh, LeVar Burton and he just freezes? And <laughs> no. LeVar is like, do you oh recognize me from Reading Rainbow or do you recognize me from Star Trek? And he just stares at him big-eyed and he gets like kind of offended and walks away. And then you see him freaking out and the cafeteria is like, I, nev- I told him I never wanted to meet him. I told him I just wanted to sign autograph. I can't disappoint a picture. And they say, he's like crying in the bathroom and he's just crying. He's like, set your phasers to love me. <laughs> no, I never watched that show. That's the easy answer. Hey, okay, so that console that Jordy's standing in front of, if we get a reverse angle, that's what I said, oh, my God, about it. I got really excited about it. I had two of those consoles. They're very small. They're squat, and you could, you could change out the uh, translite panels on them, and they were easily repainted. Um, I was a fool. I could have bought one of those from the auction uh, I think you had enough fun playing with them. Honestly, you know, cleaning them up and putting a little life back into them and then rewi- you know, getting them rewired to make sure that the lights all worked inside of them. I mean, a lot of those had the same fluorescent bulbs and tubes in them that they'd had I don't know how long. And they still worked and they'd, they'd been transported properly and they they lit up beautifully but like you couldn't you had to be careful because i mean yeah i would get in there and like okay we've got some pledge or whatever but a lot of times i would just grab a they're all painted and i would just grab a cloth wet it down just make sure it was damp and i would make sure that all the dust came off of it because these things were stored in a warehouse and they were more or less stored out in the open sometimes they'd been covered but that didn't mean that they didn't have stuff blown in under a tarp or something like that uh so they were dusty and so cleaning them up was a priority the thing i realized really quick was if you took a trans light out and you you wiped at the back of it with a wet rag you would wipe the trans light away those things were printed out on some kind of a photo, on some kind of a printer, so very sensitive. Yeah, they were ultra sensitive. It's and it wasn't like if you just rub a damp cloth over paper and it eventually starts rolling up and scumming up. But yeah, yeah, 
<clears throat> Ooh, I love this test here. <laughs> Just gauging his intelligence. I, I love the way you can see Jordy's eyes flare up behind his visor in a second. Yeah. When they when say you, this right here. You're seeing like literally his eyeballs. Yeah. When they get enough light in there, you can see his eyeballs beyond the but, visor and it's kind of rad. But you can still feel it. E. Just take it. You could feel him flare up. When you will be, you will have a similar device when you have been assimilated. He's he's a child. Yeah, look at it. I, yeah. I wonder if there was a problem that the Borg didn't really uh, account for if, is assimilating a mind that wasn't fully developed and still was open the way a child or a teenager's was. Man, and didn't wow, have that's it, a good it, question. And didn't have it because he's learning very quickly. Like, like the idea of a name, like he quickly adapted to that. Look how easily that thing went back on. I wonder if it was magnetic instead of uh, something that had to snap into place. It had to have been. What a great prop if that's the case. Um, no, I dig what you're saying. Like, uh, as a teenager. That totally makes sense. I wonder if there's a threshold. Because even when you get to seven of nine, she's supposed to be a young woman. And we, you know, Jerry Ryan, I don't know how old she was, 28, 36. But even at, but, but even at, but like, even at, even at 21, you're pretty close to being who you're going to be. Pretty but much, if, yeah. I don't know. I feel 15 like 15 or 14 I think, or maybe 12, I would say this kid's probably 15. Dude, I'm uh, over uh, – I'm, I'm my age. I'm over 40, and I don't feel necessarily all the time like I know who I'm going to be. But I, I have base. I have a base understanding, you know. Yeah. I have a base perception of who I should be, and I have my core values and things like that. And things can be changed, you know. It's all right. Mm -hmm. But Guinan, Guinan is over 500 years old. Yeah, but this is the first time a 500-year-old being has been placed, in my experience with Star Trek The Next Generation, that has anyone has made a point to her that made her wrong. She always oh, has... Oh, yeah, that's a good point. She mm -hmm. always has a, uh, a more um, experienced voice that's like, yeah, I understand that. Go ahead and do what you got to do, but be careful. But in this case, she's like, no, 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 no. And everyone's like, hey, we're, we're feeling something here. And she's like, no, fuck that. And then – and and it's 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 completely unguided of her it to, really be is. So, to be so obtuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wow, Jordy. Yeah, way to fucking hammer it to her. And she, he's, she's like, motherfucker, don't make me fucking question myself. My whole family died. That is a beautiful HD rendering of that planet. It really is. There's no sense Someone in him did wearing some good work on this. this episode. There is a perfect sense. I've been wanting to say it for the entire thing until when he put it on. It was because he puts he puts the away suit on when he's going to make some hard decisions or some irrational decisions. Hmm. It's his away. I'm going to make about to make some questionable decisions outfit. 
and of course he's in that. That's what he's going to be more comfortable in, especially with a fucking boring on shit. I cannot believe how we never see any mistakes with Data's makeup. Like, we never see it rubbed off on the collar or anything. They just did an immaculate job with him. You do not... Maybe futile is the wrong word. Maybe they picked the wrong word. Maybe it should have been inevitable. Oh, wow. Yeah. Futile is a violent word in the way that they place it, in the way it is in our our language. Resistance is futile. Anything is futile. It's a violent word that you're helpless. Resistance is ill-advised. Or or inevitable, going to happen anyway, um, in your future, uh, it's, it's in the cards. Whatever way, maybe they just picked the wrong goddamn word because are they really that violent? Who is it, Borg? Yeah. It's not about violence with them. They just show up with technology you can't deal with. and Yeah, violence is an emotion. They can... They can Violence uh, is an assimilate you on the spot almost. They're, they're technologically advanced. I mean, are they killing you because they hate you? They're not killing no. you. They're making you them. Yeah. Sorry, I'm like pouring it's tea. A, like, uh, this is going to be better for you. Don't worry about it. Oh, here we go. See, it's a difference. That's the crazy thing is that that's the difference. I mean, you've got Hugh's got to be wondering, you know, if I, you know, am I there? Am I turning into them? They're assimilating him. Man. He's what a be, good way to put it. Yeah, he's. But they're not trying to. It's like they're it's like they're infecting okay. So Picard wanted to send a program inside of him that would have made them self-destruct, blow up, whatever. What if a smarter way to do it was to infect him with what they're actually doing right now inadvertently? He's learning compassion. He does not understand why these people are not destroying him why are they why are they feeding him why are they trying to learn him why are they giving him a name that that's that's one of the big takeaways for me on this one is he's lonely how does he know the word lonely can you hear me brother I mean, there's. It's got to be a matter of just understanding their language. He 
He misses the voices. Even that, looking at that. <laughs> yeah, Even that's that pretty messes awesome. with my head. <laughs> we need too much, and it'll be a race forever, buddy. <laughs> It's not a bad plot. It's just kind of ridiculous to think that, you know, the Borg. I just remember a joke. <laughs> they try to they try to stop the Borg by making them look at a picture they can't figure out. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> this guy's gotten no sleep. Oh yeah, I bet he hasn't been able to sleep with Hugh on the ship. We don't even know uh, how much time has gone by. Several, like a day or something, right? I would say like maybe a day and a half. Not one of the things that I was wondering about. Getting to know him. You don't see nothing. You don't even want to say it, Picard. No, it's the whole aspect of it. He refuses to go down there, so he's not seeing what they're seeing. He is staying in the situation of what he knows because he doesn't want to face this thing. Or maybe he does, but he only sees one way out. Maybe he's playing it smarter than the rest of them by sticking to his guns, staying in his mindset knowing that they are all going to be changed and influenced by this, but it is his responsibility that's, as the captain that's brilliant. That's to brilliant. stay in his mindset. That's yeah. brilliant. If, if he deviates from that, then they would have all completely been in love with a lost puppy. Yeah. Complete without, without questioning it. Right now, because of his disposition, they're questioning their love for a puppy they just bought or, or found – and the, the the idea of keeping it is not in in the cards. But if had he in a, a really base, shitty, or I don't know, uh, innocuous way of saying it, uh, if he was all about learning about it, they would have been like, "Can we keep him?" <laughs> <laughs> He's not like a tribble. Yeah, but yeah, his. No, I mean, this could have been the whole thing. This could have been seven of nine in Next Generation to add a Borg crew member. But they just didn't do stuff like this back then. Uh, do you think they were ready for introducing something like that? I mean, like having data no. alone, it, having data alone posed enough problems uh, okay. in terms of. I have two uh, things to ask you about that. About right. uh, I have to answer your question with two questions. Have you seen uh, the episode with Riker's transporter double? No, I have not seen that. Wow. When is that? I thought that was earlier than this. Okay, have you seen um, – no, you've seen Best of Both Worlds. They of were course. talking about the possibility of Captain Picard coming back and lost his arm in that whole thing and having to have a – have like a biological arm grown. Prosthesis or – Have something that indicated that his arm was not – uh, 
perfectly his, you know, like maybe they're going to paint it slightly a different hue or something. That's not even a hue joke, by the way. Um, and uh, they didn't do it. And so I don't know how to tell you about this concept without blowing major spoilers, but there's this whole idea that Riker's transporter double would take Riker's place on the series Data would move up to be the first officer, and um, uh, Jonathan Frakes would start playing Lieutenant Riker in Data's old position. And that would have been fascinating, but they did not do it. It's, And I think it's because at a certain point, the... The showrunners don't like major, major change because they don't want to scare their fan base, too. You know? They don't want to run them off like, oh, we changed it too much. But they got away from that in Deep Space Nine and in Voyager and then especially in Enterprise. It wasn't like main cast members getting all switched up, but like doing daring full seasons worth of situations. Lakota. Locutus. I've never been able to say it right. Yeah, that's my fucking name. Yes. Did he say that to agree with him? Or did he say it just to say it because he needed to say it because he still was still part of him? Um, I don't think he was saying it to realize that because he is portraying Locutus as he recalls it. He's trying to trick right. Hugh. But he's doing pretty well in the role. <laughs> yeah. There's not a Borg designation. This is a good moment. It's really better with the audio. <laughs> I've got mine on. Well, you got that whole setup over there. It's fascinating to think that Hugh would go back to the Borg and try to get them not to assimilate the Federation. Well, there's your favorite word. Inevitable? Uh-huh. Yeah, not Geordie. The first one to realize that some people just don't want to be part of your culture. Then he will die. Wow, this is so fucking good. Not Jordy. It's amazing to think that Hugh doesn't get that Picard is the captain. But they're they're not treating him like an equal. He's still in a cell. He's still under scrutiny and under guard, would, you know? Would he really but feel he a difference in that? Huh? Yeah. yeah. From standing in a one place. Aye. This is wonderful. I am Hugh. One of those things that writes itself that really paid off. Sometimes writing itself isn't always good. But that one was good. 
I love that Captain Picard is someone who can admit fault. Yeah. yeah, this is I. I didn't, you know, I didn't do the right thing. I should have done it, it differently. It's one of the best points of of him being a captain because that means that the rest can be the best they can be and make a mistake. And if they make a mistake, they can admit it because they didn't mean to make a mistake. And if they did, they can still say they were sorry they meant to make the mistake, thinking it was going to pay off because he's done it too. And we fess up, we fix it as fast as possible. You know, like learning not to lie to your dad, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Just tell him. He'll fix it for you. He might beat your ass for a second, but things will be better. The faster you do it. If you look at those windows out there... Yeah? It's kind of (laughs) interesting. There's no glass, of course. But Oh, there's no windows actually there? Huh? There's no, like... There's barrier no, there's no no there's nothing in those them. are open? just empty frames you can just reach through those Ooh. and like it's it's interesting that for texture around the inside rim where it was dark gray there and it wasn't the same color as the walls that's carpet yeah. really yeah just strange things like that that they're like yeah we'll do this and it'll look like something but you know, filming it, putting it on actual film. This whole show was done on film. Nothing was digital. Um, you can't see the precision detail to know exactly what it is, but you know that it's something that's got a texture. Maybe yeah, I'm going to say... Would you have left his memory intact? Oh, man. Um... What's more damaging to the Borg, I wonder? Hugh just stood there. Oh, no, that's a great question. What is more damaging to the Borg? What what he was learned? This topographical analysis that they're sending back, is that going to be more damaging or is it going to be Hugh's individuality? And a redeeming factor that might come back to help us in the future as writers or even just as people in the show or characters that are actually it's actually happening it's not I think there's an unfortunate the Borg were they added a little too much fear in this kid maybe but I'm I'm trying to come up with a different way to express this the Borg in the next generation were um Ultimate evil the the main nemesis definitely but like they were just implacable that's what it is they were nice. implacable they could not they were not to be defeated they were not to be defanged they were not to be um toyed with and this whole business here I guess that's just that's that's my concern like everything's different after this episode especially because he understands the concept of something being dangerous yeah maybe he's been listening to our podcast <laughs> staying with the enterprise crew is dangerous and 
open up 21st century podcast taught us this we found it broadcasting throughout the cosmos (laughs) totally re-virginizing people (laughs) kind of tough to think that they couldn't tackle one Borg scout but if if they did combat that scout and fail, that would be a major, major problem. And then, I don't know, it was just the whole idea. You can't defeat a Borg ship under any circumstances, whatever its size, whatever its output. That was where we were with this. No, you don't want to mess with those guys. It's just amazing to have a species in Star Trek that you cannot tackle. And uh, they blew it. They blew it after this episode, I'd say. I appreciate that point of view. Because at first I was all happy about the humanization of it, the idea that maybe they could have done better and then re, you know, really sh- like program him to feel feelings or I don't know, something a little bit better, like a little bit more humanitarian. To, instead of like saying, hey, why are you a liar? Uh, you approach him and say, can you help me understand why you had trouble telling me this whole story here? Like something a little bit softer rather than a direct approach in humanizing him and then but even then like he's not gonna he's not gonna go start a little mini board cult where they start you know all of a sudden they're protestants or lutherans (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you get get what i'm saying i guess that's the problem i have is like because the precedent is set here for some stuff the writers got to open up and play with it how do you write for a species you cannot tackle and then what have you got? Like you've got well, all the these challenge. It, different... The challenge itself presents opportunities. Yeah, but I think they they just kind of were like, okay, how do we write about this room we can't get into because we can't open the door? Well, here we are, third outing with the board. Fourth outing, let's open the door, which opens up the door to all kinds of ridiculous things that they try in Voyager but completely blow off in Deep Space Nine because there were totally other enemy aliens to deal with on that show. Or at least they don't get over existential if there was that sort of problem. Like, the only way we can open the door is by wishing to not open the door, <coughs> in which case the door senses that we don't wish to uh, in any way harm it, and then the door <coughs> will open. Uh, that's uh, French this, existentialism this part, right there. This part I have a problem with. I get that the Borg don't care about individuals. And yet, and yet, we're trying so freaking hard. Oh, hey, one of those Borg, that Borg drone on the right is Tom Morga. He is a stuntman extraordinaire. Nice. Uh, he is in a lot of Star Trek episodes, and uh, he is the guy that they molded the uh, Klingon costumes on uh, for Star Trek The Motion Picture, thus redesigning nice. the entire Klingon appearance. Anyway, my beef here is like, okay, if the Borg are um, not paying attention to individuals and we're trying so hard to hide the Enterprise so that they don't come after the Enterprise, why leave Jordy down there to watch Just this? In the in the open. He's standing right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they don't care about individuals. And yet... 
And yet, we're trying to hide the fact that the Enterprise is here. What do you think? This is okay? Like, what? What? It's just mm. idiotic. The Borg are this That's a guy incredible the enemy. And it's like, hey, worse. yeah. Well, there must be a Federation ship around here. But that's yeah, the thing is that the Enterprise is already something that they have sliced up and battled and dealt with uh, on multiple occasions. And that being the case, what good is it uh, for them to think otherwise? And they've encountered, they have encountered Jordy before. So I think they don't know who he is. Like, I don't know. It just dumbs them down a little bit for that for that situation at the end. That's my my only beef with it. Stop right. having beef. Enjoy. What do you think? What would you do? It's the freaking Borg, and you've got a theoretical way to overload um, their mentality enough to shut them down for maybe a while, for maybe forever. Honestly, I, w- I wouldn't have gotten that far. The second we would have realized it was Borg when Crusher and Jordy and uh, Riker. Riker were down there, I would have immediately beamed them up against their own wishes and then nuked the planet from orbit and then got the fuck out of town. <laughs> I say we take off, nuke yeah. the entire planet from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a good it, point. But simultaneously, I, do the Borg then detect your weapons signatures? And say, oh, the Federation did this. Well, I would. Does that matter? I, I don't know, man. I, I would have been more concerned about my crew after what I'd experienced. I wouldn't want any one of them to go through that. Let alone, it took an entire ship to rescue one guy. Oh well, what now if- you think about it. Okay, thank you because you you bring on new relevant questions. I know you haven't watched. Uh, I know you haven't seen the next episodes that involve the Borg. Because basically Captain Picard is going to take a lashing for not having attack, you know, for not having hurt the Borg when they could have. Yeah. And then in Star Trek First Contact, one of the first things that happens, so it's not really a spoiler, is that they're like, okay, we've been ordered to the neutral zone. There's a Borg threat. And Starfleet is telling us that they think that I'm a liability. Captain Picard, I'm a liability. I was assimilated, and I shouldn't be in a position to face the Borg again. That's their logic. But when I think about it now, no, they don't say it that the events of the episodes Descent Parts 1 and 2 are pertaining to it, but that's what it really boils down to. He did not take the opportunity to eliminate the Borg. And as such... They don't trust him in another situation with the Borg a few years later. So I think Descent plays into First Contact more than we ever really thought. More than I ever really put too much thought into anyways. So you would have nuked the planet and said, F this, let's get out of here. I would have... I would have not wanted my crew members to um, figure out the pain I went through. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't have wished that on my worst enemy or you think anyone. They who, don't know. You know, saving him. Yeah, that was. You know what? You're right because they all experience things. Even though they're they're separate minds, 
experiencing everything subjectively. They, they do all experience the pain of losing pain. him and trying yeah. to get him back. That was that was a hive mind effort there. That's for goddamn sure. And so, I think they all know it, and I think that Picard lets his vulnerability show. He'll go talk to Counselor Troy. He'll go talk to his friends. He'll talk to Guinan. He will reveal things probably to Riker, and he'll definitely reveal things to Dr. Crusher. But unless he is explicitly asked by other members of the crew, I don't think that he puts it out there for them like that, you know? Yeah. And Data's got that awesome, like, innocence of, Captain, forgive me if I'm being insensitive, but would you mind explaining to me how you feel about this? Not because I need to know for any other reason than I don't understand it. And I need, I want to understand understanding it. So but like a, like a collective, like, like beam them up. We need to talk and we have to talk fast and we need to figure this out quickly because we can't just sit around on this. We've got an hour. Yeah. I think that, uh, it's, it's complicated. Okay. So, you would have nuked the planet. I understand that. I don't think the Borg would come after you because you nuked the planet. They would have been like, okay, we lost a scout ship and we lost these drones. But, and we lost the data that they collected. You think that they don't have st- scout ships to spare to continue that mission? They're going to keep yeah. coming and they're going to keep coming until they figure out what they want to figure out or they're going to send bigger, badder spaceships. Maybe it sets the precedent of oh we need to send a bigger ship that they definitely that nobody can deal with we re- federation weapon signatures have they learned anything since we battled them last time actually no we don't they don't have quantum no, torpedoes they're not using a trilithium or a tricobalt device they're just using the same bs crap that we fought before that means they're more assimil they're as at least as assimilatable as they were last time we encountered them so Maybe it's worth going deeper into their space and dealing with it. Those are all the what-ifs that come off of your decision, I think. After that, what's any better? Because I know what happens with you. And they did not send the topological survey with, with him. And as such, what would, that have been, what, what, what would that have done? Would it have done something to a handful of Borg before they found out how to cope with it? Would it have wrecked the ship? Or would it have spread to the entire collective? Or maybe just the Borg in that sector? And dude, I think as frustrating as the Borg can be in Voyager, there are great payoffs in all of those Borg episodes. And it has to do with how they cope with a spreading virus within their their ranks. It, it has to do with what happens to uh, lost drones and lost ships. It sucks because it's like Hugh is like a Soviet soldier who is completely convinced of his place and role in the Soviet Army or Soviet Navy. And he's stuck with us, terrified of us, because he believes the propaganda. No one ever leaves the the, uh, collective. No ship has ever been lost. You think they're not lying to you? I mean, come on. What happens when you're cut it. off from the... The Borg communicate through subspace. And at least they don't use any 
obnoxious vernacular like, oh, they have an internal modem, which tragically yeah. was something that happened with the silicates in Space Above and Beyond, which still is one of my favorite shows, but dating yourself with that kind of technology is terrible. Yeah, especially because somehow they avoided the um, concave screens. What? Con- what do you mean? Like, okay, you watch Alien 1. They've got oh, concave yeah. screens. Uh-huh. Uh, are these concave? are flat. Yeah, if you look at it, they're concave. It's like an old school like computer that you'd be using in like in, in like 19 like, Oh, convex. They were convex. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Con- yeah, convex. Yeah, con- yeah. Con- the, con- convex. Bulbous. Sorry, I used the wrong yeah. word. Concave. Yeah. Convex, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I get you. Yeah, don't date yourself with the technology. At least this show developed all its own technology and never said anything about anything proceeding unless they were referencing it as an anachronistic aspect. Um, yeah, so whatever. That's, I don't know, that's neither here nor there. What would I do? You'd nuke the planet? I think that's a totally acceptable thing but once they realized there was a sole survivor i think that idea was right out of the door i would have said nuke the planet and then one of them would have told me to calm the fuck down and then i would have beamed them up against their will and then we would have had a long ass conversation and we would have come up with a good idea here um I think that's Bringing, the problem is that they beamed Commander slash Dr. Crusher down there and she instantly was like, nope, Hippocratic Oath. Bringing, bringing Hugh on, on, the, on the ship was so irresponsible. So irresponsible. You have no idea what they're fucking capable of. Uh, you have a good idea of what they can do if there's a bunch of them. Uh, do you, like every time I've seen the Borg that they, you know, they shoot at them and all of a sudden they get shot for just a second and then they do it again and they immediately know how to counter it. Yeah. Um, but this kid didn't know, didn't know how to do that. They got really fucking lucky. It's one of those things um, like what kind of drone is he? You know, he's definitely yeah. not like any kind of defense or combat drone. He's not a tactical drone. He's some kind of communications or navigation or something. So, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I still think it was irresponsible to bring him up on the on the ship in general. Like it was not a good idea, but it worked out. And especially since they could beam through transport or beam through shields. Oh, but that was crazy. I guess you'd have to do that with your ship. You know, the board would have to have their ship functioning to make that happen. I think the thing is, they could have taken Hugh. And they could have warped out of there as fast as possible, doing anything they could to mask their warp signature. But that was their thing. They were like, oh, we can't leave because they'll know it was us and they'll know what direction we left. There's, yep. They're a smart crew. They could have masked their signature by, okay, we're going to slingshot around the sun, and then we're going to warp off in that direction, and then we're going to find someplace else, and we just keep hiding our signature like connecting to multiple satellites in the movie Sneakers or something to hide your hide your location while they're running a trace. I think they could have got away with Hugh. And I think they would have been able to study him. Somebody wants to study a Borg drone in the Federation, I guarantee it. There's going to be one. Lieutenant, or what is it? Lieutenant Commander Shelby, who unfortunately we never, ever see again. What a waste of a good character. Lieutenant Commander Shelby, probably commander, probably captain by this point, is 
running a freaking Borg like red room or something like that, and uh, you think that they don't want to study a drone? I guarantee they could have got away with the drone, dropped him off with the uh, science div- division, and then got back along on their journey, you know? I bet you this is going to be heavily explored. Every random thing that we've just explored is going to happen in Picard. I hope so, you know? Answer all those questions. But hey, that's all I got for this episode, man. I'm, I'm yeah. pooped. Yeah, man, right on. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, that was iBorg. And please, you know what? That's the question. If you guys uh, watch this, send us an email at what email address? Colin and Josh at Minefields, plural, uh, with an S. Comics, again with an S, podcast.com. Sorry I made it so complicated, guys. Um, we, I would like to know what you would do. You have three different places where you can do something in this episode. Do you pick up and leave when you see that they're the Borg? Do you capture the Borg and run away? Do you nuke the planet and leave? Do you... Now, if you took him on the ship, it's choose your own adventure, guys. If you took that Borg, do you study him and then dump him out an airlock? Do you study him and hope that the Borg don't detect him with it, you know, when they get it within proximity? Or what? What do you do when you've got Hugh on your ship and he starts to develop individuality? And then it turns into another question. How do you treat uh, a non-combatant who, he's a child soldier for crying out loud. Yeah, that's for goddamn sure. How do you treat that person once he starts to throw off the concept of who he was? Because you can take him at his word, you know? And and then, you know, what do you do with the topological weapon? Do you use it? So yeah, I want to know. Send me send me your emails. Send us your emails. We want to know what you think. It invites more debate, and uh, you know, it's just fascinating. Anyway, that's what we got. This is dangerous. Over and out. Over and out. <laughs>